You're listening to Montreal Hockey Now, the number one source for your Montreal Canadiens news. Now here's your host, Jimmy and Marco. Hey, Jimmy Murphy here on the first edition of the Montreal Hockey Now podcast. And I'm joined, of course, by my partner and our Habs beat writer in Montreal from Montreal Hockey Now, Marco D'Amico, and also an old friend of mine from the uh, the hockey media biz. And I haven't haven't seen him in a while, but he's, uh, he's doing well as always. And that's Louis Jean of TVA up in Montreal. Louis, welcome aboard. Thank you so much. Congratulations on the new show. And the reason you haven't seen me is actually you have seen me, but I put on a lot of weight. And so you just you just didn't recognize me. That's that's the <laughs> issue. That's how, you know, the media meals, you know how they are. So, yeah, yeah. Well, hey, they've been <laughs> tough to get, though, in this COVID era. I mean, they were just giving out little baggies with uh, pre-made sandwiches down here in Boston for a while. So I don't know how it is up in Montreal, but... I'm excited that, you know, March 12th, everything's going to get back to normal, packed house, we hope, or at least as many fans as we can to get in there. And uh, I'm sure you guys are excited about that environment. Marco, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. I'm just as excited as you are. I think a packed house, uh, you know, an excitement around this team. I think a lot of people are going to are gonna want to see the, the Martin St. Louis effect. Uh, so I think we're all, uh, we're all on a little bit of a high despite being, uh, you know, despite watching this club that's 31st out of 32 right now. Yeah. And and you know what? Let's jump into that. Louis, let's go back a little here before we look ahead to the trade deadline, which is creeping up on us less than three weeks away. Um, Back to the hirings. Uh, And let's go all the way back to Jeff Gordon and then to Kent Hughes and then on to Marty St. Louis. What was your take? How much of it did you expect or did you expect those specific guys to be hired uh, and just what was what's been your general reaction as these things have developed for the Montreal Canadiens? Two out of three surprised me. Two out of three for me came out of left field. I wasn't expecting Jeff Gordon. I'll be completely completely honest with you. I didn't see that one coming at all, and it happened pretty quickly as well. Although uh, I think everybody understood that Mark Bergevin, uh, when when that came out, he was on borrowed time. We all knew he was on his way out, and I think actually. I think he probably wanted that at that point. I think he was he was he was pretty much ready to move on. We all saw uh, the work that he did after you know nine plus years, but I think it was time for for him to move on, and I think it was time for the organization to move on. So I didn't see Jeff Gordon, although I like what I see. I look at the pedigree, I look at what he's done, I look at the experience, and I look at the fact that this guy comes in a, a Massachusetts native who worked for the Bruins, who worked for the Rangers and comes to Montreal, it shows me that he's willing, he's willing to tack on major, major projects and, you know, in a major market as well. There's a lot of pressure, as you know, uh, Jimmy and, and Marco. I mean, it's Montreal is not for everyone. He probably could have waited and seen what other opportunities were going to come. You never really know. Uh, but I, but I'm impressed by the fact that he took this on and I think he's the right man for the job. I was expecting Kent Hughes when he was hired, when when uh, Jeff Gordon came in, I thought all along Kent Hughes was the man, but I didn't expect Martin St. Louis. So two out of three ain't bad, they say, except when you're screwing it up and you don't know who they're going to hire. But I'm super impressed by Marty St. Louis. I mean, it, what the biggest thing for me is he is a leader, and he didn't go to any coaching academy or coaching school. He went to hockey school, and what I mean by that is that he went to the school of hockey his entire life, and the way he communicates, the way he leads, and that is one thing this team needs. They need leadership. They need belief. And he's been able to instill that in the Montreal Canadiens in a very short period of time. And I'm telling you one thing. People didn't care. 
people didn't ha- had zero interest in the Montreal Canadiens. They were pretty much saying, "I'll you know I'll talk to you when the draft rolls around." All of a sudden, there is interest again. All of a sudden, you're getting a better idea of what you have in this organization. It starts at the top. Leadership always does in any organization. It starts with Gordon, Ken Hughes, and also huge impact behind the net in Martin Saint Louis. One thing I I kind of noticed, and I. You know, I haven't always been a big fan of everything he's done, but I, I think Jeff Molson deserves some credit here, guys. I mean, you know, the 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 willingness to move away from the norm, as we're talking about here, and and, and kind of move away from the like you mentioned it there, uh, Louis, with the coaching situation. It's always these recycled guys, and you know, the good old boys network, whether it be with GMs or coaches, what have you. Yeah, uh, I I respect the the willingness of Molson to say, you know what, enough's enough. I need a wholesale change here. Um, and, and and sort of by doing so owning his mistakes of the past too. So I don't know about you, Marco, uh, but do you agree with that? I think there's a complete change of philosophy. I think, you know, he, we talked about it. Mark Bergevin did his nine years here. I think Mark Bergevin sold him on his philosophy and he trusted it and he went with it. And it, you know, to a degree it was successful to a degree it was unsuccessful. Depends on which year it was. Um, but the way that the club was going and the long-term success of the club, uh, a new, uh, a new philosophy was needed because Bergevin basically took a very young elite core when he took over of, of Price, Subban and Pacioretty and a third overall pick and, and made it into, you know, some pretty serious playoff success. Now I think it was time to turn the page with, with that core seemingly on its way out or, or, or close to, to retiring in Weber's age. I think it was time for a change of pace and, you know, with what we're hearing about, you know, development and, and scouting and, and really focusing on that and truly building through the draft and, and not just drafting these players, but also focusing on their development. I think that's where Jeff Molson uh, really deserves some credit because he immediately uh, pinpointed that as the biggest pain point of the organization and got, in my opinion, the, mo- the best person that was currently unemployed uh, in the hockey world to go and tackle that. Yeah, and guys, I want to say, too, about going back to Marty St. Louis, you know, he, you guys know he was coaching Sun team down in Connecticut, a lot, spent a lot of time around youth hockey, and he got, you know, the Canadians got a lot of flack for saying, what, are you bringing in a peewee coach right now to mm-hmm. coach the NHL? But I'll tell you this, guys, and it's interesting, and I should I should have had the light bulb go off maybe a, a month earlier, is, you know, about a month, maybe, excuse me, three weeks before he was hired, uh, a friend of mine, Todd Carroll, who's a family advisor in hockey, and he you know, deals with a lot of these kids. He's always going scouting kids himself. Uh, was telling, he's like, you know, man, I, I'm seeing Marty in like every single game I go to. Marty is sitting in the stands taking notes. He's like, do you know anything about that? Is he like, is he an agent now? Is he a scout? I say, I have no idea. Well, I mean, you know, maybe Marty knew this opportunity was coming. And then, you know, he, he thought maybe he was going to get this chance. He said he always wanted to be a coach, but... The guy's a rink rat, and I don't think you necessarily have to be an experienced NHL coach or even AHL coach to get a job in the NHL. If you if you know the game well enough, you love it well enough, then it can work. And we've seen that happen in the past with other coaches too. So it, while it seemed out of the box, it's not completely out of the ordinary. And I, I think it's a brave hire by Molson and by Hughes and by uh, Gordon. But now let's look, go ahead here, guys. They seem to really have a plan in place. And I don't know about you, just from the way they talk, uh, from the moves they're making, it, 
it's it's like yes, they're living in the present, but they're also living in the future too. Louis, what's your take so far on what's happened between the hires and where we are today? Well, the first thing is that it ruffled a lot of feathers. Let's be honest. I mean, texting, uh, talking to coaches at all levels. Uh, you know, the Pee Wee comment was made by prominent coaches as well. They're like, "Well, wasn't this guy just you know, what experience does he have?" And that to me is the one box he didn't check off is is the experience because i think he has everything else i really do i spoke to john tortorella after marty saint louis was hired and he said listen you have no idea the amount of conversations we've had over the years you have no idea how often i've tried to bring him on my staff full-time as well he said he is going to be great he's going to be very good he is a student but i think it and what i hope this does is it changes a conservative sport of always just doing things one way. The biggest thing for me with Marty has been his approach, the way he, he, you know, the way he runs practices and everything, but it's the way he's communicating so far. He's not jaded or he's not trying to give you the mumbo jumbo that every coach reads from in the coach's manual on how to talk to the media and how to try and limit as much as possible. The information you're giving, he's being honest and he's, He's also bringing a different look, not just with the way he's approaching the game or the way he approaches the players, but I think he's coming in with an open mind. There are some players, and I remember Wayne Gretzky going to the LA Kings training camp when he got traded from Edmonton. And Bruce McNall and the management were like, man, we've got some good players. Wayne Gretzky elevated everyone, and he made them realize that they had some players that were a lot better than they thought. And I think Martin St. Louis is doing that. And look, the sample size is small. It's very small. I'm not saying he's Toe Blake or he's Scotty Bowman or he's Mike Babcock. And I, that's not what I'm suggesting. But I like what this is. I like what it means. And I like what it, the message it's sending of, I don't think you've got to give players just a free pass and say you can coach in the NHL just because you played. That's not what it is. But as you said, Jimmy, He's put the time in. He's put the effort in. And he's been preparing for this for years. I don't know how many other players could jump in and do what he's doing because he's had this in mind and he's been sort of doing the work secretly for a long time. And I don't know if there's a lot of guys that are doing that or willing to do that, but I hope that he sends the message that if if you really want this, it can happen. If you put the time in, you do the homework, et cetera. And you know what other thing I think are two guys? I mean, what's been one of the big phenomenons of this year and and, and sort of the big stories and highlight reels has been, you know, a Trevor Zegers or or young players coming up and being creative and trying new things and, and sort of a new culture developing. Marty's been in that culture with the young kids at a young age, seeing how they think the game, seeing how, you know, they try to absorb what they learn in practices and how they apply it on the ice. It's a different generation and he's already connected to it. So right there, I think he's got a good advantage because this is where the Canadians want to go. They want to get younger. They want to engulf themselves in a new culture of hockey. And I think he's able to bring that because he's been in it for the last few years. So I think it's going to help a lot. But guys, let's switch a little to the management level right now. Kent Hughes, Jeff Gordon obviously have a large task in hand. They've already started with one trade. And I thought they did really well in that Tyler to fully trade. But going forward, we know there's going to be more deals before the March 21st deadline. Uh, Marco, I'll start with you. Besides Ben Sherrod, who's another guy you think is definitely on his way out? I think Arturi Lekkinen 
Um, it's a tough call because he's such a good guy in the room and he, he he's such a, a powerful player in the playoffs. But, I mean, you, you're starting to see guys in the bottom six currently with the Canadians and they're saying that we really kind of express themselves. Like Rem Pitlick yesterday was an absolute rocket all over the ice and yeah. just incredible uh, throughout the full 60 minutes. And you have a guy like him, Jesse Ullinen came in, uh, you know, when the team was riddled with COVID and really put up a good impression. And again, it's another guy that's going to be fighting for a bottom six spot next year. And then you got to factor in the, you know, the, the fact that he has probably the best leverage he's ever going to have in his career. He's got one year left of restricted free agency status. He's arbitra- uh, arbitration eligible. Yeah, uh, He can take his arb, go right into unrestricted free agency, and there's not a damn thing anybody can do about it. So he, this is the right time, in my opinion. If the Canadians are, are, are looking to, to get younger and shed some salary, especially if they want to if they if they want to sign a guy or two in the summer uh he's the ideal candidate because i don't see him asking for less on the market than what goudreau got from the rangers which was 3.6 million over six years i think he's more than worth that and uh i don't know that the canadians can continue to spend that kind of money on their bottom six the one thing i'm worried about though and louis maybe you can chime in here too is i agree with everything you just said marco and I, I think you have to see if you can move him right now just because you have so many other areas you have to address with your cap space, and it's pretty limited at this time. But, Louis, is the fact he's arbitration eligible, is that going to scare some GMs off in terms of making a deal, or they don't care? No, I don't think it does. Okay. It, it depends who you're talking about, and it depends who you are. Uh, if you're a contender, if you're a team that you think he is the Barkley Goodrow this year, or he's that, he's that kind of guy that you can – slip into a third line uh, or maybe a fourth line, depending on how much depth you have, but he can play up and down in your lineup. He's serviceable. He's, you know, not very often is he ever injured. He shows up in every single coach he's had with the Montreal Canadiens. They all love him. People look at the stat line and they're like, yeah, but I mean, he had a really good rookie year. He scored a ton, but what have you done for me lately? He's not an offensive juggernaut, but he showed in the playoffs last year that he can score some big goals, and he eliminated the Golden Knights in the semifinals. So the thing for me that's going to be interesting is who do you hold on to? Who do you want to make sure you keep uh, to to show the way for some of the younger players? We know where this is going. They're not going to strip it down to the studs, but they'd have to – you know, Montreal is a, is, a, is a not bad team right now with Marty St. Louis, but they're not a very good team. You know, Marco said something interesting, I thought, with Mark Bergevin. They were like, either they were in the playoffs or, you know, they had a terrible year. It was it was, it was, was sort of uh, feast or famine almost for, for Montreal yeah. Yeah. Uh, during during Mark Bergevin's reign. And I think he did some very, very good things. And I think he tried yeah. to go for it. And But I think ultimately this team was based around and, and built around goaltending. And so for me, it's tough for me to answer who they're going to for sure move. If they could move Yoel Armia, I think they would. Uh, Jake, you know, Arturi Lekkinen for me is interesting because I think he's one of those guys that's been around in Montreal. He's everybody, the coaches absolutely love him. You need a guy like that. Uh, and so I, I sort of wonder, I think you can get an asset for him, but you're going to have to have players that'll show your younger guys, the Romanovs mm-hmm. and the, you know, the Palings and the Evanses of the world and the Suzukis and the Caulfields. You need to surround them with bona fide NHLers who know what it's like to play in Montreal, who understand the pressures, and especially who can take some heat off the guys, the young guys, when things aren't going well. 
And so that's what I think is going to be interesting is how they go about building this roster moving forward without sort of getting pigeonholed or getting stuck with bad contracts or holding on to guys that ultimately you'll end up regretting contracts. You'll end up regretting. Yeah, that's a great point there, Louie. I mean, it's, it's, you know, I, I do a lot of coverage of the Bruins here too, and they're kind of at a crossroads in terms of where their franchise is going right now with guys like Bergeron about to move on and eventually March in. And I, I like what you're saying there. Like I've, I've, I wrote a column way back trying to identify who are the who are the middle leaders, so to speak, the the guys that are in between that have sort of that link to the to the future, the link to the past that you need to kind of keep that glue in the dressing room. And maybe you don't want to trade away when you have this transition and this changeover. And that's kind of like maybe what Lekkinen could be. I mean, yes, he could get you a nice haul on the on the trade market and you're going to have to evaluate that and see if it's worth it. But that's a great point by you, Louis. Like some of these young guys have been growing up with him and developing with him. And maybe it's good to sort of have that leftover. I know you want to reshape the roster, but maybe it's good to keep uh, some familiarity for these kids so that it's not just a complete, you know, different atmosphere and they got to readjust. I think it could be good for their development. What do you think, Marco? I think there's a, there's a balance between the two. I think we all heard Ken Hughes say that he's in the business of selling high and buying low. Mm-hmm. And I think Arturi Lekkinen, he's having a career year offensively right now, and he's got the high from the playoffs last year. I think his value is at an all-time high. Obviously, don't trade him for anything. If the offer is enticing, we have to remember, like, yes, he is a third-line player, but if you can get, you know, a first-round pick and a prospect, or if that prospect that is centered around that deal has legit top six potential, well, then that becomes very interesting for a club that would like to acquire prospects in order to get better faster. I could see that working out because at the end of the day, Brendan Gallagher is not moving. Whether we whether they want to move him or not, that no movement clause is, is not going to help. Uh, Josh Anderson should not be moved uh, right off the bat. They're dealing with the loss of Joel Edmondson, who should be coming back soon, and that's a huge leadership piece as well. Yep. And, you know, David Savard has been around the block as well, and, you know, they're missing him, you know, despite his early season, you know, he really improved throughout the year. So already you have a nucleus of individuals um, that you could kind of have as a leadership and they want to add more leadership in the summer. So I'm not saying tear it down, but I'm saying that if you're able to maximize asset value, then at that point, if you can't use, you have to listen. One guy we know Louis is going to move as well. Another defenseman, Jeff Petrie. And, uh, you know, reports say that he wants out, so to speak. I don't know if that's changed. I haven't seen him on the record, but, uh, nonetheless, it looks like he's on the move there. What can they reasonably expect for a guy with that salary, uh, but with him playing the way he's playing? Because let's face it, he is a completely different player under Martin St. Louis than he was yeah. under Nick Deshaun. Look, I mean, uh, other teams, they know what they have, and they know what Jeff Petrie is. But you're right. I mean, the issue is the contract. I think he's got seven and a half per the next couple of years. I mean, that's... Like you're going to have to get creative and you're going to have to be eating some money if you're trying to make some yeah. deals. Uh, so I think that a lot of, you know, the one thing about Montreal right now that I find a little funny is that, listen, I mean, Petrie ha- has had a very, very difficult year, but I mean, get in line. There's a lot of guys that have had a terrible year. Uh, he's supposed to be a leader. He didn't act as a leader in, in some of the things that he said. I think he was one who absolutely did not like to play under Dominic Ducharme. And so for that alone, some people are suggesting give him the boot, 
Get rid of him. Get whatever you can. He's not someone you want. I think he's still very popular in that locker room. And I remember last year in the playoffs when he got hurt, when he got injured, everybody was saying, if he's not there, what will we do? People were talking about potential Norris trophy at the beginning of last year. And all of a sudden, it's a horse poo-poo year for him. Mm-hmm. And, you know, people all of a sudden, they, they all, all they see is they see the faults and they sort of forget all the good he's done. NHL teams, other general managers, coaches, they want a guy like Jeff Petrie. The issue is fitting him in, you know, under the salary cap. And that's the problem. I don't know that you can, you can make that work between now and the trade deadline. Perhaps you can, but I think that's going to be very difficult. I think that's one move that you have to ultimately make or you, you try and make at the draft. But, uh, you know, you mentioned something interesting, and that's Marty St. Louis. He said he loves playing for him, and he could see himself playing for him for a long time. So we'll see what that means. Um, but I, to me, the, the, the elephant in the room, the biggest issue, comes back to the guy with the pads. Yeah. It comes back to Carey Price. And so if you're Jeff Gordon and if you're Ken Hughes, whatever your plan is, it all hinges on is he going to play again? Is he not going to play again? And is he going to play here in Montreal? Or are we going to trade him? And if we trade him, we're going to have to be eating a, punch, you know, a chunk of change as well there. So there's a lot of really big questions right now in Montreal that we don't have answers to. That's a great segue. And that's where I was going to go next. I'll start with you, Marco. If you're them right now, let, let, let's just say – for argument's sake, we wake up tomorrow and they're like, yep, Carey Price is back. He's healthy. You can get a few games in before the NHL trade deadline. I know this isn't going to happen, but hypothetically speaking, are you trading Carey Price or are you riding out to see where he's at, move it to the summer, move it to the draft, or are you trading him at all? At all? I mean, or do you just say, no, he's part of the future here. What are you doing, Marco? I think it's, again, it's a, it's a multifaceted answer. First, uh, if he is ready to go, that's fantastic. Uh, I would welcome him back, no problem. And under a revived club with Martin St. Louis, I think there's a lot of assets on this team that are going to gain a lot of value and exposure towards the end of the season because they're playing no-pressure hockey and they're playing good hockey. And I think that, as we you know, we talked about Jeff Petrie, he's got seven points in his last eight games. I think that notions of his decline have gone right out the window. And it's it's definitely going to... If he ends the year properly, Jeff Petrie, I think that interest in him will pick up, especially at the draft, and then they can get creative uh, from a fiscal perspective. I think Carey Price is the same thing. If he can prove that he can come back and he can prove that he's good to go, um, you know, maybe not the goalie that used to play uh, 65 games per season, but if he can be that elite 1A, 1B goalie that, you know, Tuka Rask was at the tail end of his career in Boston, then I'm sure teams will be interested as long as, you know, as we said, Montreal is willing to, 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 to budge on salary, at least, eat, you know, some of it. Uh, so I could see that happen. But if he's not ready, then they can utilize that LTIR space to be a cap uh, third party team. in a lot of these trades, most notably, Claude Giroux is going to need a third party for that trade because nobody's going to fit even 4.5 million at this point of the season. So the Canadians can be flexible. But as you state, Everything hinges on the health of Carey Price in terms of what the direction is. Louis, if he's healthy, are you, are you bringing him back next year or no? I don't think so. For me, I, I think it's time to, you know, if, if you want to rebuild, mm-hmm. try and get some assets. And I think for him, to me, the biggest thing is that when he when he went unprotected in the um, 
I was yeah. going to say dispersal draft, but the expansion draft to Seattle. And it came from him. I thought that was a bit of an indication. I thought mm-hmm. that was a sign of maybe where he was. Now, obviously, we didn't know what he was going through. And, and I think ultimately it comes down to his health and where he is mentally, physically, all those things. I mean, look, I just think this team isn't going anywhere, uh, isn't going to be uh, comp- competing for the Stanley Cup anytime soon. So why not just allow him, if he can still play, allow him to go somewhere, try and go and chase that cup somewhere else, get some assets for it. I think that's what you need to do because the bottom line is, is you know, when you're, when you're building teams and when you uh, try and, and develop a contender, you may start winning in the regular season. But before you actually hoist that Stanley Cup, it's going to take a lot of time. Mm. So I think it's probably time for them to move on from Carey Price. Yeah, I'd agree. It, 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 look, it, it, it kind of goes back to what I was saying about sort of having that when you're rebuilding, you still want to keep those middle leaders there. He's on the other side there. He's the past, and and that's no knock on him. It's it, he was amazing for what he did for the Montreal Canadiens, but there is. Well, I'm saying yeah. Sometimes you want to keep guys and you want to have some familiarity. If you're going to move on, you got to move on and you got to do it right. I mean, there's not going to be a Shea Weber, and I think going forward, you really need to move on from Carey Price, uh, both in a mental aspect in terms of you know, getting what you can and maximizing the assets there that you could get for him. So we'll see what happens there. Louis, anything, these have been the out of the box uh, group so far, you know, anything out of the box that you could maybe see happening, maybe a sleeper trade or something we're not seeing right now. That's going to catch us by surprise as we hit the trade deadline or even the draft when it comes to the Montreal Canadiens. That's a really good question. Uh, I'm not sure. Can't discount anything with these guys, eh? I mean, yeah, no, you're right. I mean, especially the way you know the way they've been playing. But I think that the indication when you when you unload Tyler Toffoli, I think anything goes. I agree with Marco about Josh Anderson. He brings a unique dimension that there's very little of in the NHL. He's big. He can drop the mitts. I think he's very good with Caulfield and Suzuki. He protects them. He complements them very well as well. So I don't. I I just feel that there's not a lot of untouchables on this roster. I don't think that there's a lot of guys that you don't, you won't, uh, you know, you can't um, be willing to listen listen to uh, in terms of making trades. Um, so I'm just to, the the thing for me is I don't know what Gordon is thinking. I can try and look at what he did with the Rangers, right. but this isn't the Rangers. It's not New York, and Artemi Panarin would probably be a little bit tougher to sell. Montreal on than he would have, you know, trying to sell him on New York. Mm-hmm. And so there's, there, there's going to be some, some tough sledding and, you know, some hits and misses, but what I like about Gordon and what I like specifically about Kent Hughes is the creativity, the, the, you know, the, the, just the way that they always seem, particularly Kent Hughes, he always found solutions and that's what we're seeing right now. And I, and you talk about outside the box to me, the Martin St. Louis hiring is an indication of we may be doing stuff that you haven't seen or that you're not expecting, which I like. I really like that. Be bold. And it's, it doesn't mean that if you're bold, you're shooting off the hip. It's very calculated. But these are bright men who, who are player first, who are thinking about the quality of life and making sure that their players are happy first. But I think that bringing Martin St. Louis in, and bringing Vinny LeCavalier in. And the way they're, they're doing things right now, 
has gotten the attention across the NHL, and it may make it easier as well to try and attract players, whether it's now or down the road, because I think guys will say, well, you know what, I, I, I like where they want to go or where I think they want to go with this, and I want to be part of it. Yeah, and you know what, as you're talking there, I'm thinking about too, it's specifically with Hughes, him coming from the agent background too, Louis, and we know this, we talk to agents all the time, and we know how many people they know. We know how many people they talk to on a daily basis. And I'm not saying a general manager doesn't do that, but he's done it from the opposite side of the phone. He's yeah. done it from, from a different perspective, and he has that to work with. And so now as he goes into a, a situation where he's obviously talking to a ton of GMs as a GM or in the future, in the summer, when free agency hits, he's talking to them as a GM. He's talking with agents. I think that's an upper edge that the Canadians all of a sudden have, and it's something different. It's a, it's a whole new dynamic. And I think also, you know, we, we said in the beginning of this conversation, uh, things kind of went stale in Montreal, not, not to discredit everything Bergeron did, but I'm sure it, it happens in, in all facets of life. I'm sure that things have gone, had gone stale in conversations with Bergeron and his regime and other teams. And now these teams are getting a different dynamic, a different perspective from the Canadians. And maybe that fits more what they want to do in a trade than maybe it would have with Bergman. So I, I just think it's opened up a lot of doors. And I think we're all in agreement with that. It's, uh, it, it's been great so far. It's a small sample, like you said, Louis. Uh, but I think, you know, the I think it's safe to say the future is a lot brighter than it was a couple months ago in Montreal. Louis, always a pleasure, my friend. It was great talking to you. I can't wait to uh, hopefully bump into you up in uh, Montreal and up there a few weeks from now. Look forward to it. Thanks so much for having me, guys. Pleasure. All right. That's Louis John at TVA. I'm Jimmy Murphy. He's Marco Diamico, Montreal Hockey Now. We'll talk to you next week.